Welcome back to Brain and Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy by people with epilepsy for people with epilepsy and our carers. I'm your host, David Clifford. In this episode, we'll cover stress and anxiety, the difference between them and how to combat both to improve your life. If you're new to Brain and Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. We've covered stress a couple of times so far on the Brain and Blaze Epilepsy Podcast. In episode 5, our triggers episode, we described an easy way to tell the difference between good versus bad stress. It has taken me a long time to realize that not all stress is bad. In episode 10, we covered how chronic stress changes your brain structure and chemistry to influence your memory. When our bodies hear the signal, it virtually dunks our brain in stress hormones. Research has shown that over time, chronic stress can actually change the brain structure by shriveling the hippocampus. With a smaller hippocampus, one cannot encode memories as well. I promise you, in this episode, we will cover new territory. Good stress can quickly turn bad. When bad stress becomes chronic, it can lead you to change your life habits to limit bad stress or anxiety. Sometimes these changes can be good for you, but what happens when it's not? No, I'm not coming out. It, it's too dangerous for such very small animals in all that very large wind. But, but you can't stay under there forever, Piglet. Who, who, who is it? It's a telegram for Piglet. But Piglet who? The Piglet who lives at this house and is hiding under his chair. When bad anxiety changes your life for a negative, you need to find help. Think of it like this. Imagine your new college roommate brought home a new hound dog puppy. That would probably be good stress, right? I mean, just look at those oversized paws, the wrinkly face, the oversized ears. Who wouldn't love that? What if the next week, the same roommate brings home another puppy? Still good stress? Hmm. And if he kept bringing a new puppy home every week after? Sooner or later, good stress is going to turn bad. You might lay awake in your bed for hours at a time, trying to figure out how to get rid of the new puppies before your house looks like the bumpuses. At some point, it might get so bad that if given the decision, you might choose to go to your dentist, Dr. Sadist Big Hands, rather than stepping into a pet store with your roommate. <coughs> Chronic stress can manifest itself in physical symptoms. Irritability, fatigue, headaches, difficulty concentrating or just a pure inability to do so, rapid, disorganized thoughts, difficulty sleeping, digestive problems that probably lead to change in your appetite. Studies have shown that the incidence of anxiety disorders in people with epilepsy is almost twofold than in the general public. Anxiety can manifest itself physically with stomach pains, nausea or digestive trouble, headaches, insomnia, weakness or fatigue, rapid breathing or shortness of breath, pounding heart or increased heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, and muscle tension or just pain. Because chronic stress and anxiety share some of the physical symptoms, it is easy to confuse the two. Hello? Cameron, babe, what's happening? Very little. How do you feel? Shredded. Is your mother in the room? Pardon my French, but Cameron is so tight that if you stuck a lump of coal up his ass, in two weeks you'd have a diamond. The best way to tell if your chronic stress has turned into anxiety is to contact a medical professional. Bob, 
I do not see patients on vacation, ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now, what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't. I'm totally paralyzed. I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Well, getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on, I've come so far. Bob. I'm baby-stepping. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping. I'm not a slacker. Listen to me. Check Listen. it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob. Please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, Bob. I need, Bob. I need, I need. Give me, give okay, me, okay. please. All right, all right, please. all right. Some of us have genetics that make us predisposed to stress in general, while others have an environmental factor thrust upon us to lead to chronic stress. You can often take measures to remove stress, for example, getting a new job, or an exit from a toxic relationship, or just downsizing our lives. Michael, I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing, and it was everything that I thought it could be. But we often can't remove it entirely. Instead, we have to learn ways to manage it so we can live our lives. According to the Mayo Clinic, here are some ways to fight chronic stress. Getting plenty of sleep, eating a healthy diet, practicing relaxation techniques such as yoga, deep breathing, or getting a massage, or even learning to meditate. Taking times for hobbies, such as reading a book or listening to music, fostering healthy friendships, having a great sense of humor, and volunteering in your community. SD card. Good afternoon. My name is Russell, and I am a wilderness explorer in Tribe 54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. I could help you cross the street. No. I could help you cross your yard. No. I could help you cross your porch. No. Well, I gotta help you cross something. Uh, no, I'm doing fine. That's great for one battle against chronic stress, but what happens when somebody is dealing with an anxiety disorder? The first thing to remember is don't stop what you are doing to fight your chronic stress. More stress can just cause more anxiety. The second thing to remember is that just like epilepsy, there are many different types of anxiety disorders. Do you want to come sailing with me on my friend George's boat? <laughs> no, no. That's okay, you don't have to. No, I'd love to. Uh, <laughs> it sounds great. I, I, I've never been on a boat, and I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> it just makes my lips numb to think about it. But if your friend is a good sailor and the craft is seaworthy, yes, I will go sailing. Yeah, let's go sailing. What might work for someone won't necessarily work for you. And finally, the last thing to consider is that a lot of us need help with our anxiety, and that's okay. Asking for help when you need it is a strength, not a weakness. After finding a professional to help you with your anxiety, here are some things that the Mayo Clinic suggests they can help you accomplish. Just like epilepsy, familiarizing yourself with your condition can lead to huge steps forward. If you are prescribed medication, always include your neurologist in decisions before taking it. If you both decide to start it, keep taking it. Don't stop, even if you feel better. Remember, it's often the medication that's making you feel great. Stopping cold turkey can have disastrous results. Learn your triggers. Is your roommate continuously bringing home puppies for you to raise? Probably not. If you can narrow down the things that are causing your anxiety, it's easier to learn more about the emotions that are generating it. Keep a journal. I mean, you're already doing it for your epilepsy, right? You are doing it, right? Oh, come on. Adding basic information about your mood into your seizure journal can be eye-opening. 
You might learn the patterns concerning how your anxiety affects your epilepsy. Joining an anxiety support group. Having people around that know what you are going through can only make things better. Learn time management techniques. This should be a whole episode by itself. Oh wait, we already did that. Take a look at episode 18, Under the Grind. When a seizure hits any of us, it has a tendency to press the pause button on our lives. Not only ruining immediate plans like get-togethers or vacations, but medium-term goals as it takes a few days to recuperate and rewire. Long-term goals like careers and relationships are also affected as we once again visit our neurologist and perform scans and then stressfully wait for the results. You're astute if you're starting to see an overlap in how medical professionals treat stress, anxiety, and epilepsy. In our next episode, we will take one step further to highlight some cases where the lines between anxiety and epilepsy can become blurred. Are you suffering from chronic stress? What about anxiety? We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can reach out to us via email at social at or Twitter at BrainyBlaze. If you like this episode, consider subscribing or even helping us by providing a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.